वेलकम बैक टू अनदर एक्साइटिंग एपिसोड ऑन लक्स इन साइडर विद मी योर होस्ट अनिता खत्री ट्रेवल स्काइज हैव लॉन्ग बीन ओपन एंड द ट्रेवल इंडस्ट्री स्पेशली इंटरनेशनल ट्रेवल हैज टेकन ऑफ आफ्टर मंथ्स ऑफ अ लल एंड लॉस इन बिजनेस ईज ऑफ ट्रेवल इज बीन रेस्टोर्ड योर इन इंडिया टू हाउ एवर लॉन्ग क्यूज and flight cancellation hindrances still persist but the experience of traveling internationally in many of our indian airports has changed over the last few years i'm talking about the duty free shopping experience at the indian airports being one of the many reasons contributing to the joy of travel experience in fact for the longest time duty free shopping at international airports was a luxury indulgence for me traveling to various cities ensuring that i shopped at the duty free stores on my return was a mandate chocolates cosmetics and liquor these were my go to items for me shopping at duty free was the best way to kill time I yearned for a similar experience here at the Indian airports. It was only 8 to 10 years ago that we began to see duty-free experiences in Mumbai, Delhi and other metro cities almost on par with international experiences. To understand more about these experiences, I am pleased to have the CEO of Mumbai Duty Free, Mr. PK Thimaya on our episode today. who has 37 years of experience in the travel retail industry one observation i did not imagine that mr thimaya has 37 years of experience because he looks so young and dynamic and now that he's here on the podcast i am excited to learn so much more from him so let's hear straight from mr thimaya firstly mr thimaya Thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure being with you Anita. I would like to understand how and when airport shopping became a luxury shopping destination. I think this entire uh, revolution of the Indian duty free space started in a small way way back in 2003-2004 when Flamingo as an organization was the first private operator who came into the duty free space which was erstwhile run by the ITDC which is state owned and it used to be run typically like liquor vents and all in the airport authority run airports slowly we saw the privatization of airports starting from 2008 onwards with bangalore hyderabad and delhi uh, became private airports and then followed by mumbai with the invent of ppp model where uh, private operators started operating airports and the airport authority airports started getting privatized these airports were built and uh, uh, on the lines of what international airports traditionally have been so we saw larger retail spaces being created even uh, in the earlier airport authority days duty free shops were not located inside or security hold area so you would have to shop outside even in the departures and then your bags would get delivered to the aircraft 
So, I mean, even small, small things like that, we've seen it evolving over a period of time. I'm talking about the horizon from 2008 till as uh, late as 2012-13, which was the time taken for the airport authority airports to also fall in line and create those kind of spaces. As we speak, uh, we have larger retail space available today in airports like Delhi, Bombay, Hyderabad, Bangalore. Uh, there is still a lot to be done in airports like, uh, for example, Kolkata and Chennai. Travel retail, like Port Anita said, is a luxury. It's all about luxury. It's about lifestyle. It's about having those high net worth individuals traveling through airports with a lot of time in their hands and disposable income. So definitely a good place to capture, engage with a captive audience of extremely influential, extremely affluent uh, people. And uh, you would not have any place in pa- which is parallel to uh, a international airport departure where you can create that kind of... It is a fantastic space for brands to be located in. It's a fantastic place for brands to showcase their products, their, and also for customers to engage and experience newness, novelties, and what the future has uh, in store in terms of innovations. So this is definitely one of the most engaging spaces that any brand should, which wants to have, has global aspirations, should be participating in. Thank you for explaining this to us in detail. You know that I personally have been traveling in different countries. And from the experience that I've gathered over the last decade, I've noticed that things have certainly started changing here. You mentioned Flamingo Travel Retail Limited and we have changed from GVK to Adani. Do you see this change actually impacting customers in any possible way? I think uh, we are again sitting on the cusp of seeing a major change changeover happening in the airport uh, duty-free space or in the airport experience, so to speak. With the Adani's coming into and uh, the airport space, Definitely, we would see, uh, we expect to see a lot more happening in the airports, not only the Mumbai airport, but all the secondary airports, which uh, they have taken over now, starting from a Trivandrum to a Lucknow to a Jaipur, Ahmedabad, Trivandrum, Mangalore, and of course, the long-awaited Navi Mumbai airport, which is going to be reality by the December 24th. I definitely see a huge ambition there because uh, as a group there, extremely progressive, extremely aggressive, and uh, would definitely want to create uh, a new definition for airport retail or airport experience. They have very ambitious plans of bringing the entire ambit of all their businesses and customers under a platform called uh, Adani One app. So I think we are really on the verge of seeing a lot of revolutionizing this entire uh, travel retail or retail space. We are hungry to get more brands and we want to bring in unique brands, unique experiences, not only create duty-free, but the entire travel retail or the airport retail space, create destinations out of airports. People would want to come in to the airports just for the experience of being there, Whether if, even if it means to come and pick up a customer or drop a passenger to meet and greet people, or even considering many of these airports are located 
very centrally in the city also like mumbai creating a lot of retail and engagement entertainment uh, in and around the vicinity of the airport or the periphery of the airport could be bringing a very new definition of what airport travel retail engagement could be in the days to come and i see the adanis very capable of championing that and they seem to be really bringing in a lot of talent and expertise from different industries to make sure that there is a robust infrastructure in place to take care of what we think could be a really a massive turn around in this entire space i think yes these experiences would make a lot of people want to travel again i myself am looking forward to such experiences but before i move on to my next question i would like to request you to elaborate on the bit about luxury shopping luxury itself is all about experiences how do airports provide this retail experience to their customers you also mentioned entertainment can you elaborate how would the customer or the traveler get entertained at the airports i mean it's very important to understand who our shoppers are uh, it's very important to understand that not even 6% of our population have passports today only 6% that's it yes it's slightly less than 6% of a population have passports today so that is the huge upside or potential upside which we th- you think can be your universe so if anyone says i know my customer or we know our customer i think uh, we need to really think a little harder and say do we even know what we're trying to what is the possibilities which we need to engage with or the possibilities which is going to we are going to encounter in the days ahead it's very interesting it's very exciting but at the same time we have to be mindful that there is going to be a, a very new set of customers coming in into the space which we have never experienced before for example in the last one year 67% of the passports which were issued were women 60% of those passports were issued in the age of 19 to 45 today almost 50% of your universe is going to be millennials and research and studies and data available tells us there is no loyalty as far as millennials are concerned we know that most of them uh, would have almost three choices from which they would want to buy and if at all retailer is able to personalize product the chances of them moving towards that is definitely much more higher if there is information data available on products which can be researched studied understood the chances of selling those products is almost 80% 85% purchases are made basis what information is made available when you talk about women shoppers in terms of beauty and lifestyle luxury if it is products are sustainable has a social cause to it there is a good chance that 50% of them would wear towards those kind of products which are eco friendly sustainable have got a social cause connotation attached to it more than 50% of purchases made today in india are influenced by women so who are our customers do we understand the customers so these are things which all of us as marketers retailers have to relook at it very very importantly how do we use technology like ar vr giving in putting up information that make it that much more interactive so this these are challenges which we have to be we will be faced with so anyone who really wants to 
survive or uh, win in this in this environment has to think about all these aspects of business which we've not thought of before earlier it was anybody who traveling he wants two bottles of his favorite whiskey would pick it up and go you give him a better offer he would buy i don't think the customer is any more there the customer is changing and it's continuously changing loyalty is not going to be there so brands have to rethink brands have to reinvest and find ways and means of how they would want to reach out to this new customer who's definitely going to make a huge differentiation in how purchases or how brands are perceived going forward well there could be a lot of customers who still would go for the die hard good old luxury brands but it's not about uh those brands it's about what more you can bring in into the space and make it more exciting uh, i think that's where the largest challenge is for marketers and for uh, retailers wow the data and the figures that you are sharing here are very interesting thank you thank you indeed staying with what you have been referring to which categories of the products sell the most in india i am under the impression and please correct me if i am wrong that the product category that sells the most in india will be similar to that internationally for example liquor followed by chocolates followed by beauty products is this a similar configuration that you experience here in india or is there something different internationally so i mean if you look at the global travel retail we estimate it as uh, like a 80 billion us dollar business of which the largest is beauty and not liquor because skincare cosmetics perfumes fragrances is the largest category followed by liquor and clo- very closely followed by fashion and then confectionery tobacco etc so liquor is the largest category in the indian subcontinent but it is not globally in india in developed uh, airports like say delhi or mumbai your contribution of liquor could be close to around 60% where in the smaller airports it could be even 90%. Beauty is very fast emerging as a second largest category where in some markets still confectionery may be the second largest category. But the category to watch out definitely is going to be beauty and I think as we see this the millennial increase in the millennials there is increase in uh disposable income. India no more is about roti kapda makan. i think that the previous generations have taken care of today the current generation is about spending on themselves for the moment they like to live life i don't think it's important for people today to be thinking they're investing in houses and cars no they don't they would rather take a uber they would live in rented spaces they would like to live in service apartments they would like to have holidays internationally not wanting to block their money etc etc in buying apartments and cars but they would want a lifestyle they want to experience life they want to experience the best of gadgets they want to have international exposures they want to have different cuisines indians who traditionally cook at home now they don't they want to i mean they want to go out and their lifestyle is ape i mean to a large extent aping what's been happening in the west in the western world and today thanks to technology thanks thanks to uh, digital media 
thanks to ott plat- platforms there is a lifestyle which is visible and it has become affordable to the larger uh, mass of uh, customers so they are very quickly getting into those spaces so definitely beauty i see as a large category emerging fashion in its infancy fashion will also accelerate very very fast watches is not to see time it is people would want to own more than 1 2 3 4 it's become lifestyle it's it's like in the west it is an accessory which people would like to flaunt men have started spending much more money on their grooming uh, like never before we've the indian male was not one of those who would be spending so much of money traditionally on grooming standards or his personal grooming etc which has changed dramatically in the last say i would like to say at least 10 10 odd years and it is growing very very fast so the indian customer is changing very much and the space will change so i think definitely we will move away from being just liquor stores and selling liquor as the largest category also to add to that there has been lots happening in the indian domestic liquor market where the delta between the liquor the arbitrage of which used to be there in liquor earlier and now is diminishing very very fast so the aspiration of buying or the delta or the motive to buy liquor which was there earlier is considerably gone down and i think it will f- change further unless until operators retailers try and bring in a more curated selection of rare spirits and novelties and newness which is not easily available in the domestic market then to keep the space more vibrant but i think in the next 5 years we're going to re- see a really lot of changes happening in the space yes sounds like it and i'm sure whatever you're saying is suggesting that in fact i was listening to you i'm just thinking about something that i would again like to reaffirm from your end the concept of duty free shopping it was essentially based on waiver of import duties and taxes which resulted in getting the best price so low prices for the customer but do you see this changing because from what i hear i think that is changing uh Travelers or customers may probably like to indulge if they get that opportunity. So basically, do you experience travelers customers postpone shopping until they travel? Would they ever do that? I think to a large extent, what duty free brings uh, to the customer is one is definitely yes. I mean, not throwing aspirations on any other business vertical or model. It definitely makes uh, ensures that you have. the best products which are genuine and always there is a newness and novelties global launches the shortest and the fastest route to market is through duty free because every country has a lot of uh, import regulatory bodies which any importer in the domestic market has to conform to duty free uh, you don't have those stringent conditions you can bring in what any global launch product can be on shelves one week after or the same week if you time it properly with in line with uh, when a product is launched in the uk or in the us it can be launched in the indian stores also so indian customers who are aspirational who follow trends can avail the best products in the duty free space uh, even today there are uh, still a lot of uh, regulatory issues in terms of if you talk about liquor the ffsi regulation or in terms of cosmetics there is a drug uh, regulatory body which 
regulates the import of, and it's a process where most of the products have got to go through a testing process before it gets listed. So there are these kind of a regulatory uh, bottlenecks, which doesn't allow inflow of product very easily into the domestic space in the country, which duty-free enables you to get it immediately when it's launched. While the domestic market will take its three months, six months, one year to find, to uh, get these listings in place. So there, duty-free will always excite the customers in terms of who are trendy, fashion conscious, wants to be with the times. They will always have access to their best products at the same time when it's made globally available. They will always get their novelties. They will always get their genuine uh, products. And definitely there will always be a delta. Like earlier, if the delta was 50%, maybe you'll have to settle at a delta of 30, 35%, which could still, which is still substantial saving compared to that you're getting the best products in the world. So there will always be a price arbitrage, which may not continue to be like how it used to be traditionally, but you will get your, the newness, novelties, the new launches, innovations, all of that you'll be getting, I mean, almost immediately. So that's what Duty Free will continue to bring to you. And during the pandemic, I'm sure you know, travel had taken a backseat. Tell us about the challenges that you know this industry faced during lockdown. And post-lockdown, has the customer behavior changed in any which way? Well, the challenges are are and were innumerable. So I really don't want to go into too much of detail on that because it's, it was more like a bad nightmare. It's lucky we are fortunate to be sitting here and talking about us because we've lived to tell the tale. But uh, challenges were right, right from passengers, from, uh, I mean, landlords to vendors to staff to the bankers. I mean, everybody wanted a plan where nobody was knowing what is going to happen. While uh, the airports, you were stuck with contracts, which were non-negotiable, which you couldn't do anything about. Brands, you had long overdues. Uh, I mean, your bills, which you would be selling generally on cash, buying on credit and selling on cash. Uh, But three months down the line, two months into the pandemic, your bills became overdue and and you always, considering your supplies would come from Europe or the US, you would have pipeline stock of three months, four months stock always on the water. So when that hit you, you wouldn't know what to do. But as far as insurance risk was not willing to cover anymore the travel retail uh, vertical. So there was pressure from the brands. There was a huge change in the people handling your accounts because suddenly all your familiar faces, your good friends who were there for so many years in many brands disappeared. They were made redundant or moved or they went into the domestic businesses and you had to talk to some faceless person who was either heading finance or risk who would ask you all the funny questions. So brand pullback support. So you were left alone to, I mean, just manage your space. And uh, you had, I mean, in my case, we had close to around 1800 employees who we had to uh, take care of. Uh, But I can very proudly say we had a very supportive set of employees we had. So we were able to manage it without really making anyone uh, redundant. Yes, all of us uh, put up our hands and uh, we got a lot of support from our staff. So, I mean, uh, it was crazy days. And as far as customers were concerned, customers, when we started off, were very apprehensive. 
about shopping because this stigma about social contact, not to touch. I mean, how do you buy beauty or cosmetics without touching or smelling the product? So it was a lot of challenges, but eventually I think slowly the fear was getting out of the system. But there was one some set of customers who wanted to travel and travel was not like you could travel anywhere. There were very few pockets or very few destinations one could travel into. So you found the same set of travelers who, I mean, like you and me, who like to travel, wanted to travel and they would always go into Dubai or they would go into Maldives. And uh, the quality of the travelers were very different because typically if you speak about an airport like Mumbai, where a good 40-45% of your connect is traditionally to the Middle East and lots to countries like Kriya, Jeddah, Sharjah, where a lot of blue-collar workers travel, that was... So that segment was totally cut off because there was no people not traveling for employment. There were only people who were traveling for leisure. So the quality of the traffic was better. And as there was a lot of pent-up demand, your spends went up, your penetrations went up, your average transaction values went up. We introduced a loyalty program to entice our customers, to reward people who came in. So we saw almost a good 30% of our entire revenue coming in through only these regular travelers or our loyalty customers. So it is interesting. We built a new kind of a bond, a new kind of a relationship, started giving different kinds of value for them. So we built, used this time to build, get a lot, a lot of feedback. There was a lot of premiumization happening because people uh, wanted to, I mean, really preserve those allowances for what they actually wanted to do. Many people uh, ran out of their stash or inventory, which they were traditionally holding. So there were a lot of people buying for stocking up. So definitely the quality of purchases and the amount people wanted to buy was definitely high, even though liquor has a arbitrage of you can't sell more than a couple of liters, which is your allowance. But then you had more people buying, but other products, you could see the people wanting to you know, store, not knowing when you'll get an opportunity to travel again. So there was a little bit of a hoarding also happening. So it was quite interesting times. Yeah. And uh, there were huge risks in categories like confectionery because when the airport shut, the air conditioning shut, then you had expiry issues. So we burnt a lot of cash on that. But again, as a group, we built a new business called Coco Cart, which the promoters started off, which now has become an extremely interesting uh, business model for uh, confectionery stores across airports and uh, high streets in India. So there's been a lot of lessons learned and also value created. Uh, also how we've course corrected and made a, you know an absolute uh, opportunity out of a very difficult situation. So I think as a group, we've reasonably managed uh, the space. And uh, of course, there's been a lot of learning which has come along the way. Before I move on to my next question, I wanted to hear your thoughts on comparing the shopping experiences in India to that when we travel abroad, the international experience. I mean, if we had to compare anywhere else, like Dubai shopping experience at Dubai airport or Singapore airport, shopping experience, can we say is on par or almost on par in India, especially when it comes to Mumbai, Delhi or any other metro cities. I feel, yes, we are getting there. But what are your thoughts? Do you agree that we still have to move forward, develop further or we are almost on par? Well, see, uh, I would be lying if I say we are 
because the reasons are very different. But uh, if you look at, uh, because what is what drives our business and what drives a Changi or a Dubai is something which is very important. We need to understand when we talk about this space because our business models are mostly, our revenues are largely towards the arrivals than the departures, unlike uh, the you look at Changi or Dubai because our revenue contribution in the arrivals can be almost 70% and the departures only 30%. Whereas generally you have 60% of your space in the departures and say 30% or 25% space available in the arrivals. And if you look at the kind of mix of nationalities traveling through our airports, unfortunately India still has to evolve in terms of tourism and as transit airports. Well, Delhi has some kind of some uh, transit uh, passengers. Uh, even Mumbai doesn't have the best as far as transit passengers where you can have a hub and spoke model where you have a lot of international connect uh, destinations, uh, people coming in and make taking international connections from uh, Mumbai or Delhi. We don't see that happening. So when you have a lot of tourists coming in, that's when create a larger, uh, I mean, retail opportunity in the departures. Unfortunately for us, we are still, uh, most of our uh, destination connects happens from the Middle East or from Singapore or from Heathrow, which uh, have larger business models in the departures. So what we are missing still in our airport is the nationality mix in terms of we have only Indians traveling. And when Indians are traveling overseas, their motive to buy in the departures, if they're buying luxury and fashion, definitely they would always think they have a choice whether to buy in Europe or the US or Dubai or Singapore where they're traveling in the airport or otherwise. So that reduces the opportunity for us. But whenever you have more tourists traveling, then definitely, for example, if let's take an example of a Sri Lanka airport, which I operate, the business mix is almost 50-50 between the arrival and the departure because there are a huge number of nationalities which come in. It is driven by tourism. So right from a Maldivian to a, uh, the customers traveling from the from China or the PRCs or Europeans, we know they are the Russians for that matter. There is a divide between each of these nationalities who contribute huge towards the departure business. So that's something which we are still lacking. It's not about the ability of the operator. It's not about the ability of the airports. It is still our ability to sell India as a destination for tourists. I think that's where we as a country still uh, have a lot more to get out of our system. We have to sell those possibilities, India as a destination, India as a tourist destination. Having said that, we see a huge boom in the domestic airports in India. If you look at the domestic airports, which is also the travel retail space, the spends per passenger, the penetrations could be almost double what we see in the duty-free. Because uh, in India, the blue-collar uh, workers don't travel by air domestically. They would travel by trains or buses. But the people who travel by air are generally the holidaymakers, businessmen, or more affluent people who are traveling. And so we've seen a lot of brands, I mean, a lot of airports getting more brands in the domestic space. The customers upgrading into branded uh, categories, whether it's leisure, whether it's fashion, whether it's lifestyle. So there is a lot happening as far as the domestic airports in India is concerned. I think that's a very interesting space to watch. Thank you for such a detailed explanation. It helps us a lot and corrects our perspective 
and our way of thinking and looking at things. Before we leave you, we have one signature question from Lux Insider. Any memory you would like to share with our listeners associated with a luxury item in your collection? The experience you have with customers, I mean, whether it's shopping for a uh, uh, for watches, especially you're talking about uh, a Frank Muller or Omega, which we cherish, or the uh, Rolex watches, which we today we do pre-owned, but uh, the excitement of engaging with those customers uh, or the rare collections of Mombla, which we have, where you see people coming in or young customers coming who already have engaged with us, wanting to know what is coming in, wanting to carry a gift for their father, you know, or buying something, researching it, understanding what uh, what the product is all about. I mean, these are experiences which you as a retailer feel uh, really, you know, gratifying because you become part and parcel of somebody's life. You've touched somebody and it's so important for that person, for that moment, you've been able to deliver something which somebody's looking forward to and there's trust uh, that it will be made available and we can deliver. So I think that's a larger part of your association with the business where you feel more complete as a retailer if you're able to give those gratifying experiences to customers and seeing your customers come back and having faith in you. I think that's what for me is having endorsement from my existing customers is, is what I always feel is the most gratifying for me for my job. Well, thank you, Mr. Thimaya. And we wish you all the very best. And I'm sure one day, Indian duty-free experiences will be certainly on par with the world. Thank you very much for your time. Before we wrap up, would you like to share any other message for our listeners? I mean, the message which I would like to say is uh, we are ready to receive more passengers now, relaying our stores as we speak uh, in Mumbai it's going to be reality. We'll see an entirely new relay of arrival stores. We intend to get in many more brands uh, into the departures. We're going to refurb be refurbishing most of the airports, especially the Adani airports. We'll see a major facelift. And the regional airports are going to get that much more interesting. The brands will not be limited only to the Mumbai's and the Delhi's of the world. We see uh, and have a lot of faith in the secondary or uh, two-tier cities in India, which... I think is really grow, going to grow exponentially. So we are there at the airports. Come visit us and please do share your experiences with us. Thank you. And that was Mr. P.K. Thimaya. And yes, travel seems to be back on track. With that, it's a wrap on this week's episode. We are almost nearing the end of the season. We have our last episode lined up next week for you. So make sure you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already, so that you do not miss out on our last episode. Until then, stay tuned.